failure isn't failure unless after you've learned from what went wrong, you do nothing else. To me, in my the way that I conceptualize it, like if after I've experienced something that didn't go right, I understand what it is and I'm able to reapply it, then in my head, even though it was a failure in that moment, it's become a victory because I learned something from it. Bossophobia. I'm Angelique. And I'm Adrian. <laughs> Are we good? We We're good. Up. What's on your mind this week? <laughs> the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> what's on my mind this week is what we were just talking about before we get started recording. Is that working from home is for the birds. So for all of you people that really struggled through the pandemic, um, working from home. I'm sorry. I was jealous. I was. I was jealous because as an essential worker, I didn't know what that meant. Like I've gone to work the whole time. Um, I've had these like spouts here and there where I've had to work from home and this week was one of them. And no, it's not for me. As a person who works from home happily, you know, I, I, I empathize with those who uh, similarly do not appreciate it. But you're going back to uh, going back to work soon. I am going back to work soon. Oh, well, I mean, I work from home one day a week. One day a week, I'm fine. It's usually because I need to catch on paperwork and I need children not to be standing at my office when I am trying to do paperwork. Also, I need to reestablish boundaries with them because they've tried this new thing where they just bust in my office to talk. <laughs> <laughs> this is not okay. I'm gonna frost. I think I'm gonna frost my windows. I think that's what I'm gonna do. Not me personally, but have somebody frost my windows at work. You know, it would be really okay. 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 Hear me out. I acknowledge. You know, boundaries are great. But what if? What if instead of frosting them, you get like you know, like those. Uh wooden bead like walkthrough walls because that gives your office like a boho chic vibe you know or or you know those things that you walk through when you're like at a party and it's like the tinsel and it's like colorful you can just like you know that's gonna be more alluring to them because <laughs> my windows in my off the doors in my office are windows yeah so it's door and then there's windows so they just see me sitting there and they just bust in hey Adrian, i need to talk to you um i want to cash in my food voucher it's 11 21 on a tuesday morning you're not cashing in your fast food meal voucher right now so um, <laughs> nor am i going to get you fast food right now fair fair so maybe ignore my idea but i am i told them i'll get them a box i'll get them a suggestion box and i'm gonna be like a professor and have office hours will, I will love they, that. they won't respect it um but you know i'm gonna try i really love that but my thing this week is boundaries with children that's fair that's fair, that's fair. and that you don't want to work from home indefinitely I don't. I don't. Even I think when um, my next career, which I'm currently working on, um, still not going to be from home. That's fair. I need to be to the point where I come when I want. Like I want to work like an 11 to like 2.30 schedule mm -hmm. um, and have other people run my business. But 
I don't think I could ever just solely become hot. And like the 11 to three is so like, maybe some days I'll change it, but you know, I need to have time to like drop my kids off at school, go to brunch with the homies first and then come to work, do a cute little meeting, maybe do a session here or there because I wanna be like, you know, exclusive. So I can't hold a, a caseload that big and just like act like I have a wait list. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe like, you know, maybe do like an esthetician client here or there and then be out. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm liking this vibe. This is giving very much. Out there. Um, maybe like show up to a PTA meeting and fight with a Karen. Mm-hmm. This is the life that I envision. Actually, I don't want my kids to play soccer. Maybe like volleyball. Mm. Lots of scholarships in volleyball. I like that. Oh yeah, maybe like a tennis my kids can play or golf. We don't see a lot of black children in golf. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Swimming. Swimming's another one I could get them in. Yeah. Yes, you know, breaking stereotypes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But baseball's always there for us and that's a really Been longevity in baseball in my family. So Yeah, yeah. And you know, if he makes it pro, he'll be one of the highest paid athletes. And I actually like going to baseball games, so. I'll go with you, though. Cheer them on and eat the snacks. Right, but, right, but if our one of our kids make it, then we have a box. Like, we don't have to, like, we have You're a box. Right. And between the, all of the genes between the two of us, if we don't come up with at least one pro athlete, I'm disappointed. <laughs> right now, it's really looking on your side because Darren <laughs> Just saying. Somebody needs to somebody needs to elevate the family. Okay. We've done from an education standpoint. Like you and I have elevated the family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing it from a media standpoint. Um, these kids need to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to come in and do something. And one day I hope they hear this podcast and they realize we wow. had dreams even before they came. Oh no, what they're gonna realize is that we've always been crazy. And then they're gonna <laughs> And they're going to be like, see, they've been plotting on us our entire lives. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what's going to happen, but it's fine. I know one of our kids is going to be like, mm, really? I'm actually going to be a theater major, which I mean, okay. <laughs> I There's nothing wrong with theater. No, get me Broadway tickets. Still, I will have a box. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, whatever you're going to do, you just have to be the best at it. <laughs> Just be the best at it and get your mama a box. Get your mom high end class seats, okay? And and your grandma, because that's actually where it comes from. That's where it's gonna come from. Well, in that case, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now to have send you to college debt free. I'm gonna let you. I mean, like my goal is to pay for college, and you don't have to worry about those things. And you know. All I'm asking for is high class ticket events. At least one event. At least one. All, but between all of them, better be at least three. Can you become a governor? Take me to the governor's ball. Like something high end. No, take me to Martha's Vineyard because all the governors and mayors were at Martha's Vineyard with the Obamas. Angie, I'm going to say this on recording. I told you last year, let's go to Martha's Vineyard. And somehow we ended up in Mexico. So <laughs> we did. And we talked about it. But 
yeah i don't know what happened i think i i don't know i think you wanted to go to mexico and i was like oh, okay martha's vineyard will always be there that's before i knew about obama but something in my spirit said let's go to martha's vineyard this year we wouldn't have even made it into the party though because you know he cut the guest list by 300 people uh we would have hopped the fence i at that time i was in crossfit i could have lifted you <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah no if we want to go to martha's vineyard oh and they had that new event the one with the the color the like culinary masters black greatness event that i sent you i think that was in martha's vineyard so we need like play was it in virginia i don't know it might have been because she went yeah let me know yeah yeah let me know but we should uh if we're going to martha's vineyard we need to plan now for like next year because Yes, so I'm already planning for next year. Um, I want to take a, I literally put do not disturb on, sorry guys. <laughs> I want to take um, an Amtrak across the country. That's, That's one of my cute. Favorite. I've been wanting to do that. Let's do it. Yeah, they're really cute. Um, they're a little more pricey than I thought, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for some reason, going by train is still that expensive in comparison to like even some being more expensive than flying. No, definitely more expensive than flying. It was like two, like two thousand dollars. Jeez, I would do so it though. From New York to San Francisco, I definitely, I definitely want to do it. So that's one of my goals next year. Yeah, because that'd be a vibe, and then get like, like, get like fancy dresses and like furs, and like sit and take pictures of us like looking out the window. I don't know why this is where my mind goes when I think about a train, but um, I think of Anastasia. Don't know why. Okay. Yeah, just me. That and Agatha Christie, where it was like the Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. Yeah, and how the murder had to happen at that specific point where they shoehorn because they had to be able to shoot from the conductors onto the look. I love that book, and I that's what I really want to go on a train and wear like a petticoat. Yes, I don't know why I love Anastasia so much. Uh, at the movie, but I do. Yeah, I like it because it's like the one. Like all of them are kind of realistic, but that one is like, I wonder, did she really exist? No, she actually did exist. I thought she did. She really exists. It was a real, there's a real story. Yeah. I mean, so, all of Disney has some type of quote unquote base realness. Yeah. I think also it was one of the less like pedophile ones because Sleeping Beauty and Pocahontas are kind of bad. Pocahontas is real. Pocahontas is real. My sister used to make fun of me because she used to say that I had a crush on John Smith when I was a child. And I was like, hmm, cartoon character, don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Don't know. But, you know, older sisters say that they remember everything and it's always accurate to them, so. I mean, at least... This is so weird, but when I was a kid, I like when I was a kid, I had a crush on Alvin the Chipmunk. <laughs> I can see that for you. Well, I don't know what. <laughs> I can definitely see that for you. 
yeah. And my mom talks about it. And I used to listen to their songs. Like, you know how some people listen to it in the movie? No, I had the soundtrack. <laughs> no, no. Back in the day, soundtracks were a thing. Like, soundtracks used to go hard. Like, the Prince of Egypt soundtrack. Oh. Sometimes I still have it in my mind, and I just listen to it for yeah. no reason. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Soundtracks used to be a thing. I don't know where we lost that. Like waiting to exhale soundtrack. Oh. The preacher's wife soundtrack. Another good one. Mm. Yeah. Back in the day. Anyways, um, now that we went on that rant, what's going on with you? What are you working on this week? Um, I'm working on like celebrating and enjoying time like by myself and not like in a reclusive way, but like we were talking about before we were recording, like appreciating like being alone, but not being lonely, if that makes sense. So like appreciating the time that I have by myself and being like, this is fun. And also like, I think the one thing that I like a big thing that I'm coming out of all of like the craziness of the last like year and a half going on two years, which is insane to me, is that like, um, I think really looking at and um, being aware of the relationships that you have in your life and why you have them in your life. Like Darren and I talk frequently about like, or not frequently, but we've, it's come up a couple of times about like our wedding list and how if we had to make that same list now it would be a lot different and not in any kind of shady way, not in any kind of like negative way, but just in a really like when you guys were like planning a wedding, I remember being like, This is a lot of people, guys. And you're like, But we have to do this and we have to do that. And we have to yeah. do this. Okay. Yeah. And I think looking back on it, like I it's my favorite chance the rapper lyric where it talks about like I don't want people at my wedding who won't also be there at my at for my marriage and like I think looking at and this is like a larger topic I'm just using like the wedding as like an example like looking at the people who have been in our life have like been committed to us individually committed to us as a couple like pray for us walk through things with us like celebrated when we celebrated cried when we cried it's a way smaller group than the hundred plus some people who we were trying to invite to a wedding. Some of them we haven't even heard from and we sent them a whole wedding invitation, like a whole save the date. And I'm at peace with that. But I think what it has taught me is that I don't want to have people in my life just for the sake of saying I have these people in my life or I have X number of friends or I can have a birthday party of like X number of people. Like I'm really something that I've always kind of struggled with even as a kid was like, oh, I've never really had that many friends. And I think it's finally sunk in the things that my mom used to say, where she was like, if you have one or two good friends who will go through life with you and stick with you and pray with you and love you, she's like, you are a blessed somebody. And so I'm just reveling in being a blessed somebody and not really trying to add a whole bunch of people for no reason. <laughs> I think it's less Christmas gifts you have to buy, birthday oh, plans easier hanging out is a lot easier a trip it's just two other people I have to ask <laughs> really <laughs> that's why I'm like okay and there's levels to friendship too amen there are yep 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 
first was on my mind. <laughs> Speaking of levels to friendship, um, deep down secret for me, I don't know if anybody knows this, um, is that, you know, in my mind, I want to be Kanye's therapist one day. Yes. I just want to sit down. Like, I know some people don't like the mania, but I'm interested by it. Normally, I would not be interested by it. Like, if it was just a normal client, I'd be like, mm, you need to find somebody else who can manage this mania for you. But for Kanye, I want to work through it. Like, I want to know the cycles. Um, and I think it produces a lot of good things for him, like his music, which, you know, was released on um, Sunday. Yeah, Sunday at this point. Um, after his long-awaited and his all of his PR antics, because you can say a lot of things about Kanye, but that man is a good PR, um, you know, rep. He could teach a college class on some PR, mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. things he does. So um, his album came out and, you know, long anticipated, waited for that. Um, and then last night, well, I guess two nights ago now, here comes the light-skinned champagne poppy with his album <laughs> in the middle of the night and um we just all forgot about Kanye overnight so have you seen some of this um back and forth between the two albums yes I uh I let me tell you so I put on Kanye's album on Sunday just because I was curious and I knew it was gonna come up Mm -hmm. in some circles with some conversations and I've been all Kanye since he said slavery was a choice not judgmentally just like for my own mental health we need to separate mm -hmm. and then the, when the when the song first song came on he said Donda I was like okay we're gonna tribute we'll pay tribute to his mother all right cool he said Donda Donda I was like oh no this is the devil a chant are you doing in my godly christian household i skipped that song so fast adrian no if we were ever aunties it would be right now <laughs> like if we were ever auditioning to be aunties it would be this recording right here because <laughs> i don't know what we're on today. but it's true it is true. And so Darren did some research because I told him to cut that song to skip it at least until we could figure it out. And apparently he says her, her name is said to her heartbeat at the time of her passing, which is like so many levels of trauma at once. Like, what are we, what? You see why I want to work through this with him? Like, who, who are you talking to, Kanye? Because that's not normal not I mean probably from like a musical perspective if that's how you see the world maybe maybe that's how you're grieving but I don't think you're actually grieving anything I think playing into some really unhealthy dynamics for you sir yeah and then like it just it's just been spiraling for him since then he said that the album wasn't supposed to be released then he goes on and he like doxes Drake and like posts a picture of where the man lives he got them in a, in, a, in a group chat and like was talking mess. And I don't really keep up with the music scene. This is from podcasts that I've listened to that have been extremely entertaining about this topic, just because I was curious. 
He's still selling them ugly $120 sneakers. And I don't understand why people are buying them. Like get a get some stock. You know, Apple stock is about $128. Put the tax on the price of the shoes and invest in your future. Like, anyway. <laughs> I see what you mean about the auntie status. But um <laughs> I'm glad you heard it. No, I heard myself and I was like, ooh. But no, so. And then I heard Jake's album, and honestly, I wasn't impressed with either of them that much, but between the two... Honestly, I, I haven't listened to Drake yet, because I need to be in the right mood to be depressed. Mm. So, I'm not... Mm-hmm. I'm not the moodiness of Drake right now, so... I mean, fair. But, like, people... Oh, I'm sorry, what were you saying? No, I was just saying I listened to, like, some, but not, not all the way through. Yeah, but people are praising Kanye, and I don't... I don't get it. Like they think this is like an artful masterpiece type thing. And like it's like he his like conversation about God and like, oh, this is where we wanted Jesus as king to be and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay. Like I think I think Kanye has a relationship with God. I was gonna say Kanye believes that he has a relationship with God, but I'm not gonna insert myself in that. Kanye has a relationship with God, whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. Kanye also has some other things going on. And yeah. And I don't know how long, it's just sad. It's sad because this man clearly has some issues, but clearly is talented. So, yeah so maybe i'll i'll eventually listen to drake but i know from what i've heard people say that drake goes harder so we'll see and then did you see um peppa pig shade <laughs> shade kanye no i love me some peppa what happened <laughs> she said that her her album got a higher review on one of the i can't remember what website <laughs> Is her album got a higher review than Kanye? Peppa Pig, like the cartoon? Yes. Oh, I would not be surprised if it did because the kids be going up for Peppa. <laughs> Let me try to find the tweet. The kids going cracked. up for Peppa. I was cracked. I mean, I don't have, I don't interact with like little, little kids like that anymore. So. Um, I don't have to watch um, like cartoons like that, mm. um, but I know the kids do love Peppa. You don't just be watching cartoons for no reason. Have you seen Vivo on Netflix? Vivo Tears. No, I watch cartoons, but not like Peppa Pig. Oh, the tweet is gone. Dang. Somebody lost their job. <laughs> You can't snap like this on the children's Twitter. So Peppa Pig's, so Kanye's album got a a, a 6.0 review and Peppa Pig's got a 6.5. So hilarious. Hilarious. Yeah, I bet you Paw Patrol got a better rating too. It was not that great, but. Um, yeah, for all the hype, it wasn't. That's what I heard. Like, it wasn't that great. He didn't make all the money back between all the little launching uh, performances he had. He he made the money. 
he doesn't care. That's what that's what we have to realize that he's not yeah. gonna care. The me the money match. He's gonna be able to say what he says because his platform is his platform is saying what he wants to say. And y'all keep wearing them Yeezys. And y'all keep wearing them Yeezys. So So that's the, the world of the music world battling back and forth. So, <clears throat> and a little bit more serious news. Have you been following everything that's going on in Texas with abortion law and the Supreme Court? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, you know, looking at history and seeing all the advancements and things and yes we have a long way to go but you never expect in your lifetime to see like blatant civil rights violations go so far uncontested Mm -hmm. i just like and for me the most baffling part about it is um the fact that not only the woman is like like it's like this like they worded it so carefully so that it does not directly contest roe v wade because they knew that that would be an issue but they go so far like which is like what well, i just want to say some of the smartest people in the world spend so much extra energy to do just to just to go out of their way and do wrong or to cause pain on up for other people and it's like it'd be so easy for you to just be smart and do good like but anyways, that's like, that always comes to my mind. It's like, how much extra effort did it take you to wind your way around the wording of like what people at the time thought was going to be ironclad protection? But um, with this particular case, I think the thing that bothers me the most is one, that if a woman has a miscarriage, she has to prove that she did not intend for it to occur. And that two, if you are found guilty of like helping or aiding this woman get an abortion, you can be sued by anyone. Like, if anything, sued up to $10,000. Right. And it's like, also like, who who are we suing? Like, are we suing the doctor? Are we suing the nurse? Are we suing, like, who's being sued? So it's like, also not clear about who can be sued in, in this. Could you go back and sue all three of those people that were involved in the process or whatever? And then like, thinking about the way it's going to disproportionately hit um, especially the African-American community and, you know, low-income uh, women, because first of all, six weeks into a pregnancy, it, you know, like I've gone six weeks without having a period and I'm not pregnant. So like nobody's going to know that one. And then to like to even get the proper services and the cost and all of those things. And then if a woman does want to have an abortion, then she has to go out of state. But what if those means are not you know there for her to go out of state? Okay, so now you're, this woman is having a child. What if they can't afford to have this child? Now this child's placed into the system and all of these other things, the cycle between um, you know trauma, systematic trauma for you know lower income people and people of color. Yeah. And it's so at least from what I've read, it it doesn't really matter. Like it's like anybody, like literally, and I say when I say anybody, if they're like, if you drive somebody to the clinic, you could get sued. To the point that Lyft came out this morning. I thought it was so ironic that we're gonna talk about it. And they said, Dear Lyft riders and drivers, I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but this is just 
um, a thing is that a new Texas law, and they talk about it, threatens to punish drivers for getting people where they need to go, specifically women exercising their right to choose and access the health care that they need. And they go on to talk about the fact that they have created a driver legal defense fund to cover 100% of legal fees for drivers who are likely to be sued under this new law. And they had to do this because a lot of women will try to probably use a Lyft or an Uber because we're talking about lower income individuals who are more likely to get abortions. They also probably don't have the means to get there on their own. So then you've got these people who are doing this and going, and, and so they have this, this, this legal defense now to, to protect drivers who are just doing their jobs. And I just, like it's crazy that you even have to do that. Like, they, yeah, thank you for doing that. But it's crazy that that even has to be a thing. Yeah. And it's crazy. It's, 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 I'm speechless because, you know, there's so much craziness going on in this country. I can't even just point out specifically like the Southern states. Like, yeah, there's a lot of craziness going on there. Like, particularly in Texas, like just this week, like this thing. And then like, <laughs> the podcast with South Lake and like the, I listen to, anyways, I'm not going to go on that tangent, but I, didn't, I was, if, if I had time to listen, I was definitely going to bring it up, but I didn't have time. We can do it next episode because, and I'll say for anybody who hasn't, South Lake is a new NBC podcast that follows like the South Lake school district and some of the racism. It is sick. It is sick. It is so triggering. Um, so definitely you might have to take it in bits and pieces if you want to listen to it, but we'll talk about it probably next week. I think that'd be a good topic. Um, but it's just, this is happening. And then I think the the responses that are only ever really salient when you're talking about the fallout from this are things like the fact that like rich, affluent white women who live in Texas will still be able to hop on daddy's private jet because he runs the oil fields or whatever, or they have like generational wealth of some sort, or just drive to another state, to the East Coast, take a flight wherever and still get an abortion. This is only impacting people who will never leave tech, who like, who, who they don't really travel or they can't afford to travel or they can't leave. Or how about this? They may save up, and the only trip that they'll ever take is to have an abort, like an abortion. Like, have people even thought about this? Like, but I think an interesting podcast that I saw that talked about um, the response to this, the fallout to this, is one that was talking about how the tech sector in Austin has really been growing, and how people are saying that a lot of businesses are moving to Texas because of the the tax laws. Like, they're very forgiving for businesses. But um, there was a tech executive who says that he's like we're not like people are going to start leaving Austin businesses are going to start leaving Austin because the thing is is that it is always hard to find tech talent because like you always want people with who are the best and the brightest and they're getting pulled all around the world and he was like but there were starting to be an epicenter in Austin and that will change because more than taxes goes into the considerations of most tech companies in deciding where they're going to go. And talent isn't going to come here, especially as they're talking about diversifying tech. Women aren't going to move to Texas. No. Actually, recently, unrelated, I was just reading um, an article about like top 10 um, cities for Black people to attain wealth, and Austin is one of them. And however, like you said, like if this, you know, is going to continue to be the case that that will not because people are not going to want to move to Texas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they have made it clear that they are willing to bend and maneuver the law to get what they want. 
there was like another thing that happened in Texas and we can get off Texas because I don't want to bully Texas. But they're like all these small <laughs> grassroots like groups trying to start like succession meetings and get to the quotas needed to have serious conversations about Texas succeeding from the US. Like it's like what y'all all right down there? Like where are they gonna go? Or are they just gonna like put up a fence? Are we back at the wall? Like what's going on? I don't know. I know Mexico doesn't want them, so I don't know what they're gonna do. And then, like, that's gonna throw up the whole song, like "50 Nifty United States." We're gonna mail, <laughs> mail. <laughs> well, you know, if DC gets statehood, we can keep keep it at fifty. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. We could do that. All right, maybe it's not so bad. I mean, it's their choice. I mean, yeah, of course, of course. Um, and then this is something I actually didn't tell you about, but I was just thinking about. Um, so the U.S. Opens are happening, and Miss Naomi lost again, and she was talking about possibly taking another break from tennis. And I just want the baby to know it's okay to lose. Yeah, but I, you know, yeah. So. Lots of thoughts for that. So yes, it is okay to lose. But I can understand where she is in terms of sometimes like you surprise yourself with how good you are at things. And so if you are always kind of like really, 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 really good at something, and this may sound like really like ambiguous. So let me know if I need to clarify. But like sometimes I already you know where you're going with this, but yeah, I'll tell you. Okay. Okay. So sometimes you can be so good at things that like you don't really like, and she tries, and I'm not saying that most people don't try. But like you can try and not as like Naomi is just talented. And so she has been really, 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 really talented a lot of the time. And so like this concept of failure can like it it can crumble you. Like I don't know. I know that's exactly where you were going. Yes, because let me tell you, the first time I, I I remember every grade I got that was not an A. I got a C in a geography course, and then it turned to an F at midterms. Midterms, I had an F in a geography course, and and when in my second year of got college, and I thought I was gonna die. Like literally, I had chest pains and panic attacks. Like I was like, I should just drop out of school because I'm an idiot. But I because before that, I had never had to try like that to be good at what I was doing. I ended up getting an A in the class is fine. And then in graduate school, I got an F in a statistics class. Adrian, I thought they were gonna kick me out the program. I didn't get an F in the class. I got again at midterms and then I ended up getting an A. But like, I think that's the thing is she has to try differently. And before you try differently, you feel like you're failing and your chest hurt and you just want to give up and leave. Okay. I'm so glad. Thank you for being transparent about how that has affected you because <laughs> thank you. Now I can use you as an example and not feel guilty about it. Right. So my best friend, Angelique, is amazingly smart. Right. And she hasn't had a lot of academic struggles like you <laughs> shared with you guys. So a struggle feels life threatening. It feels like, oh my God, like you said, like I was having chest pains and I should drop out of school. I'm not smart, all of these things. So in the same instance that Naomi is saying, and I commend her for being very transparent about it and her mental health and all those things, how it's affecting her. However, the idea of failure becomes like this negative thing, like, oh my God, I lost 
now what do I do? Other than just realizing that's a part of like the journey. Like, look at Serena. Yes, Serena has won all these opens and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. But she's definitely had losses in her life too, or things where she's had to, to um, not participate in different um, tournaments and things of that nature. So like having these, and I realize Naomi's young too. So when like, um, somebody called me an ageist the other day. I was like, I don't think I'm an ageist, but it's just like when you have limited life experience, you don't realize that failure is a part of that. And she's experiencing that on a much larger scale than somebody in her on her age bracket would. So learning failure is normal at that age because of the first time, like <clears throat> it's almost like the Paramore song, like ain't fun living in the real world because that's the first time like you've been really exposed to like these large failures but she's doing it on a much larger stage on a much larger scale than normally any of us would learn failure as a normal part of life so totally commend her for being transparent about that experience but the loss is okay and the loss is also not the end end all be all one loss does not mean your whole career is a loss that might okay I lost okay let me analyze how I can do this let me analyze what can change and how I can become better was I tired do I actually need to take a a real life break because I know she took a break but maybe it wasn't long enough maybe I do need to just step down for a while and step back um like really analyze and work through those things but baby girl a loss is a loss it's okay it's okay yeah Yeah, and I think I think that is a really big lesson that when you are just naturally talented at things you don't learn it can be a huge disadvantage because in her case also something that I'm curious about is is she just burnt out like is she really just burnt out and I was looking at I was looking at um, a, like a resource or something like that. And I was talking about the fact that like burnout, it can take you like between one and three years to recover from, depending upon how intense the burnout is. And like, you can be in active recovery for burnout, but like you have to be very focused and specific about it. And so I'm curious if she's interpreting her failure and yeah, she's failing. Like, and that is also, like you said, okay. But I wonder if I wonder, and, and nobody knows, but I just really want her to be able to do what she needs to do to be who she's hap- who she is happiest when she is, if that makes sense. But um, it's funny. It goes back to the interpretation thing. Like, how do you see look at a loss? If yeah. you look at a loss as a failure, meaning that that is ear that's that's not able to be changed, that this is means you're less, this means a loss is, you know, significantly affecting your self-identity or sometimes mm-hmm. even we feel like our self-worth that the loss can affect, then that's one thing. Or are we just looking at the behavior or the act of just like, okay, this is a loss. So it's a, it's a mindset shift um, that, again, I want to normalize that most like early 20s, you have to make that yeah. mindset shift. Um, and, you know, you do it in, in your own time on how that happens, but um, it's the way you conceptualize the loss too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's funny. So, shout out to her. You're still amazing. She still accomplished way more at her age than others have in a lifetime. So, yeah. yeah and like serious encouragement to people who may be feeling that way is that 
like wouldn't life be boring if the way that you figured it out and was working for you at 20 was just the way that everything works like if you <laughs> like but like but you think that at 20 yeah but like that is the realization that i had to come to in my mind is like if i had it all figured out and could kind of just coast and not coast but like just be good at everything wouldn't life be kind of boring like yeah it'd be smooth but like wouldn't it be boring like and that's that was one of the first thoughts that I had to accept to be able to appreciate and actually learn from failure when it occurred mm-hmm. last but not least um so I know I sent this movie to you and to my brother over the week and you guys watched it and um somebody had some very strong feelings about it um but the new movie on netflix um with oh my gosh what's his last name kobe oh my god why can't i think of his name i'm just impressed you knew his name huh so i'm just impressed you knew his name i don't really know people's names like that i can't think of his last name anyways um and uh I really enjoyed it because of the dynamics and the ups and downs and how I conceptualized it. But um, what were your thoughts on the movie, friend? Well, what movie? I said really love. Really love? Okay. So I don't know. Um, I don't know. It was an interesting movie. Um, I guess for those who haven't like watched it one watch it and I'll try to give it like it basically talks about a relationship and like people meeting and one person is from like a more I guess yeah relatively more privileged background and like is going to Georgetown Law and is like doing all these things and the other guy is like a painter from a um, less advantaged family like relatively and it, it kind of follows their relationship and like the ending is just like shocking I, I need to look at it again because I'm not even sure if I really understood the ending um I was just like so are they together or not like what is it you don't know yeah but I think the thing that came up the most for us when we watched was the importance of communication and relationships and also the importance of respect um for me communication came up for Darren respect came up which is not unsurprising if you know (laughs) our dynamic and how we like have like like and and it's nothing like terrible or crazy it's just like I was unsurprised by that and it's kind of funny um but I think the strong reaction because we we voice messaged you afterward was really because it really bothered um Darren the part where she and now that I'm saying it out loud, I realized what the true issue was. It was an issue about rejection. But the when she kicked him out and said, get out, and he was like, yeah, this is your house, isn't it? And he like left. And I think- well, that was totally disrespectful. Yeah, it was insanely disrespectful, especially because she asked him to move in, to stay. And like, there's all kinds of other arguments you can have about like, why did she, why did he stay with her anyway? And she shouldn't have taken him in. Yes, and she did. So I don't know, that was an interesting part. And then just generally, she sucked at communication. <laughs> okay, so 
gaps that I think Angelique left out, but did a really good um, synopsis. Um, so in the dynamic of the two, like, yeah, they have two different total trajectories. So of course she's like in Georgetown Law, she kind of has her own space, she's on her own. He is also on his own, but like struggling to get his own art show and his own um, individual um, showcase. So like there's two different motivations there. And I think the thing that I was looking at is like how, and I think this happens a lot for men is like, how their passion um, is always their passion. And I think for women, yes, she was in Georgetown Law, she was doing her own thing, she was passionate about being a lawyer, um, but we're like, she was like willing to easily give up her dreams to be with him and stay in the same space that she was in so it comes to a point in the movie where she's like offered this dream opportunity in Chicago to take her, uh, her dream job and um, she was also offered a, a job where they're currently located in DC and he's like go and she's like mad that he says go and as a woman, I could naturally understand why he, you're mad that he said go. I definitely understand why you're mad that he said go. However, rules reverse, that man probably would have even like came to you and said, you know, like I have this job opportunity. I really want to take it. And we would have been like, go. So why are you mad? Like, and maybe this is a gangle. No, my thing is also why is she mad? Because I think in that moment, as as like as awkward as it felt, and how even like as rejecting as it felt, he was actually telling you like that's your dream. Go go get it. Yeah, like I I don't know. And maybe again, I'm gonna like explain some of the dynamics that are at play and have been at play in my own relationship and why that like made no sense to me. But first, one like. I, I think that that is a social thing, like a social scheme of this issue around like the fact that she was mad that, I lost it. Basically the social schema around the fact that we as women are so willing to shift and change our dreams, whereas men may not be as willing to do that. Because for me, she wanted to be a lawyer until she wanted to be with him. And then for some reason in her mind, both couldn't occur. And so she felt like she had to like give up one. And it's like, no, why can't she gave, she gave it up before he even said anything because yeah. she was like, and even when she came back, she was like, I would have stayed if you said stay. And I was like, sis. Oh, why? Why? And done what? And done what? He go, go live your dream. He can find you. Well, yeah. And so too, so <laughs> I always believe that in a relationship is kind of like a race. And I don't know, this is like an example where like you running, running, run. And like, if somebody is keeping up with you and like y'all are running, cool, we running together. Oh, we might like, you know, run and go to like whatever and do whatever, but we're still running our individual races. And then like, okay, so I'm back in and I'm paying attention. I'm doing what I need to do to make my goals happen. And if you happen to still be at pace, and I don't mean like at pace, cause you decide what characteristics make up your own pace. But I'm not going to stop my race to sit on the sidelines and watch you run. That's not what this is. And so second to that is like, in my relationship, I remember we, Darren and I met in, in undergrad and he watched me do all the stuff that I had to do to be eligible to get into a PhD program and whatever, and like put my packets together. And I remember he helped me like 
with like morale and whatever and however he could help he did and I remember when the results mm -hmm. were coming in he said then he said hey no because I had applied for schools in Florida because he was talking about moving back home and I was like <laughs> okay well I guess I'll apply for schools in Florida and see what happens because you know I like this dude I kind of want to go where he goes and then I applied for schools everywhere else mm -hmm. and he said no matter what happens he was like I will break up with you before I let our relationship get in the way of your goals and he said that consistently and continues to say that and like not, not now but like we have that because like now we're married and like those are joint decisions that we make but like when we were dating and right. like I think that's what bothered me like y'all weren't married like yeah it wasn't it wasn't any of that yeah she was making these life decisions like okay like right. I understand that's what you want yes that's what you were working towards but she was making these life decisions like I can't do any I can't make these decisions for myself without like yes it's it's nice to talk about it in a relationship you should talk about it consider the other person but the, at the end of the day you still have your dream and I for, for me I feel like I would feel resentful if I just yeah. did not follow my dreams because oh I don't want to do long distance or oh that didn't work for the other person yeah, you would, because because your whole life then revolves around a person whose whole life doesn't revolve around you, like because he's he's doing what he needs, and I think that's the other thing that irked me was the fact she was resentful of him doing everything he needed to do to be good at what he wanted to do, his painting, and she was upset because I felt like there were sometimes when she could have had her nose in the book and getting some stuff done rather than worried and chasing after him. Like if both of y'all are doing this, don't do it but it, isn't this how we're socialized we're socialized to chase to to figure out and make sure his needs are met and make sure that everything's good with him and then we get mad when they focus more on their own individual goals rather than the relationship now yes there needs to be balance you need to be present in your relationship got that you can't let your, your dreams overtake that but I think we're socialized to like think like oh we need to make sure all of his needs are met before ours and I think that's toxic on our end mm -hmm. how we socialize but also like it, it seemed like it happened so naturally that it wasn't even realized like this is what I'm doing yeah yeah because I think it's the thing of like like you said it's something that we're definitely socialized into but I think the thing that I, and it and it's such a societal thing because you can't even say that that came from her parents like in terms of like those kind of things being impressed upon her because her own mother was like look you need to go do and be the best that you can be and go do this and xyz and take the take the internship like but mm -hmm. it was from wherever it was coming like from society from movies books tv like from just this overarching like um like layer of just expectation that exists in the chrono system that is our time period like she decided that she was gonna give up her dreams for him i was just it was a lot so i don't know even though I, all the dynamics, I still liked it. Oh, it was a good movie. Yeah, I liked it. It was a good movie. And I liked, I liked the fact that when they were done, they were done. But I, I will also say that something that I thought was very <laughs> interesting. Well, when they were done, like when she left, 
he or when he left they didn't talk to each other and I thought it was so interesting because in that time he fell deeper in love with his work in that in the same time she had somebody else mm-hmm. and I just had this thought about like I don't know like yeah you can find somebody else and that's good and that's great whatever but like mm, that stood out to me as like a point of like huh like he showed up and he has all like they never referenced what she was doing in law school up there how her internship went how anything went what she brought to the table when they met back up was another man like I don't know mm-hmm. I had a lot of thoughts mm-hmm. I think it goes back to the dynamic of like we think that like okay this person's not working for me I can just move on and find another person but I think if that's your person then be willing to make the adjustments I think we limit ourselves a lot of times so there's only two options it's either this or it's that I think we limit ourselves to options so quickly because it doesn't go with our dream our vision that we have right now so it's like okay I'll go replace this vision really quickly with what it matches but is that really what's supposed to be for you yeah. Just like something you can actually work through and not be stubborn about and like be open to new things and new dynamics yeah because and I know long distance doesn't work for everybody but as somebody who did it for three years two or three years for similar reasons about you said what <laughs> I said it's the longest three years of my life <laughs> you too I didn't think I was gonna make it bruh but we did it because we were both out here chasing our individual dreams about like what we wanted to do and be. And we were like, we'll figure it out. I didn't get into the PhD program in Miami. He didn't even end up in Miami. You know how stupid it would have been for me to move my whole life to Miami. Life laughing. Because I remember having that conversation. Right. right. He ends up in Washington. Like, <laughs> like but it all worked out because we and and neither of us came back to the table of resentment because we did what we wanted to do right so i don't know not advocating for it if you believe it doesn't work for you but you can make a lot of things work when you focus on yes yes we can you can make a lot of things work and we limit our options so often because we limit ourselves and we limit our comfort zones yeah hold on okay so mental excellence Honestly, my mental excellence is not like really, and it, it ties into what we were just talking about. And it's a post-it note that I keep, I have post-it notes all over the wall, like in front of my desk. But one of them says like, there's a difference between, like the difference between excuses and execution and skills versus traits. And the thing that like, uh, the quote that points out is that you might not be something, you might not be skilled in something, but you can build the trait. And I think going back to what we talked about with Naomi Osaka, because that really stood out as like a big thing is, and that's why I keep it here, is that you don't have to be naturally talented at things to be able to to like grow skill or like talent in that area and be able to do it. Just like, and I'm not verbalizing it very often, but that that is starting to become something that I'm really passionate about in terms of like, especially with young women, because in, in areas like STEM, and in specifically areas like math and engineering, typically what you see is that young women are more hesitant to join that field because early on in their education, 
they are taught or they they are taught that they cannot make mistakes then so they become risk averse and thus a lot of the errors and things that are a natural part of learning uh feel like learning the content in fields such as math and engineering is stressful to them and they veer away from it like and so i think the thing that comes up for me is really like building a healthy hygiene and healthy like approaches to dealing with failure and reframing even how you talked about failure because failure isn't failure unless after you've learned from what went wrong you do nothing else to me in my the way that I conceptualize it like if after I've experienced something that didn't go right I understand what it is and I'm able to reapply it then in my head even though it was a failure in that moment it's become a victory because I learned something from it um, and so encouraging everyone to build, like l- reflect on the last failure that you had, like, and I, and, and to look at in an honest way, how you experienced that failure and then to evaluate if there were negative emotions, if you did beat yourself up, not beating yourself up again. Cause like, Oh, I failed at failing. Like, no, that's not it. But looking at how you can create supports around you to encourage yourself and keep yourself focused on what you can learn from failures when they do occur because they will occur if they don't occur then you're not pushing yourself and challenging yourself in a way um and so if you have kids for example one thing that i really think is cool and want to do with my children is to ask them daily like hey what did you try and fail at today and celebrating that and asking them what they learned from it because what that is showing you is that they did something new and that it may not have gone right, but you can instill in them from an early age. That's great, that's amazing. Like, so what are you gonna do differently next time? Like in that from a young age will create fearlessness. Like, hey, if if failure doesn't scare them, what can? So, and you can even do that with yourself. You can celebrate that with yourself. You can celebrate that with your friends. I think something that is also really healthy in friendship is to talk about failures as much as you talk about successes to have friendships in which you can safely bring in failures and learn from them get advice and guidance about them um but have a safe place to discuss them and I think also at least for me quotes and having things up on the wall are really helpful for me so for example I'm looking at my wall and one of the things that it says is like confidence doesn't equate confidence because when I go into certain rooms, I don't necessarily feel confident, but I have to understand that if I'm in the room, if I'm in this space, if I've been asked to do these things, I am confident and that there is a confidence that should come with confidence. And so I, I work my way into confidence that way. So I think all in all to say, find the, the, the things that you need to support you showing up as the best version of yourself and support you being able to be the best version of yourself, even through your failures. And then becoming a better version of yourself as a result of your failures, which is amazing. That was amazing. (laughs) I like the way you brought it all together. So for this week, um, I think this goes back to like some of the things we were talking about with the movie. Um, but for topic this week, what I've really been like um, reading through, thinking through, trying to grow through is like building resilient relationships mm-hmm. uh, and not even just from a romantic standpoint, just resilient relationships in general um, and just 
like I think as we were saying earlier, like the older you get, you realize what the significance of relationships are and the people that you want to have in your space um, and why you have those people in your space and why those relationships even exist. Um, so for you, like Angelique, how do you feel or that resilient relationships are built for you? Mm. So the quote that comes to mind is the one that talks about the fact that trust is gained and drops and lost in buckets. And I think for me, a resilient relationship is one that can withstand like the possibility of both those things occurring. So like when I look at my like strongest relationships, the thing that stands out is the fact that regardless of what may happen, whether feelings were hurt or like, and I don't want to say betrayal because that feels like too strong of a word. And I don't want to say that like, I condone betrayal like my relationships because that's not what I'm like saying. But I think resilient relationships that I've experienced have been ones that can stand the test of time, like can stand good days and bad days and feelings getting hurt. And sometimes, yeah, I guess, I think on some level, like betrayal of like, not, not trust in terms of like, oh, you didn't tell my business all out on front street, but like, I'm not really saying that, that clearly, but like, yeah. So yeah. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Or is it like, I think what I hear you saying, oh, that was very therapeutic. Sorry, that <laughs> um, is like it takes forgiveness. Like, yes, are going to happen in a relationship, and it takes forgiveness. Yes, that is what I'm saying. It's a yeah. Resilient relationships are ones that have good, uh, like habits around forgiveness and also grace. Because sometimes I don't feel like coming out, even though I say we were gonna hang out, and I want you to love me anyway. <laughs> cancel on me no I don't oh your other friends yeah that's fine you can cancel on them <laughs> I think um for me yes is definitely grace and forgiveness and realizing that nobody else has limits on that grace or forgiveness. So I think a lot of time, again, to back to like socialization and um, social standard is like, there's a lot of things in a relationship that you have to learn to forgive that on the outside of society standpoint would be like, well, you don't need to forgive that, blah, 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 blah. Um, and there are boundaries, like do not, you know, continue relationships with toxic people and things you need to teach people how to treat you and all of those things. Um, but I think there's a lot of pieces of just forgiveness that are not as much promoted as it needs to be. And I think if you really talk to people who have been in long-term relationships, whether it be work relationships, um, romantic relationships, long-term friendships, you'll have to talk about all of the areas of um, forgiveness and how that built trust, one, but also how that like built emotional safety um, because then you both are allowed to know like, okay, I can make mistakes and this person is going to forgive me and be there for me and not hold me 
hold you accountable, but not hold those things against you. Um, yep. So it, I think that's a one thing that we don't talk about a lot in, in resilient relationships. Um, and I think one really good place to, um, like as I've been just exploring this for myself, um, on this weird side note, I don't think I've said this on the podcast yet. I've been on this really big angle about why people partner with people don't know I just been on this research study on my own um just through things that I've recently observed I'm like "Mm, why um so (laughs) um but like as doing research and just listening and as a therapist all you always have to stay educated on things so um one of the big um like sources of that has been Esther Perel. So um, if you have not heard of her, she is a relationship um, or couples, no, it's more relationship therapist. Um, And she actually has a podcast about um, couple sessions, but she also does um, like work relationships that she has a podcast on and how people work together and how conflicts happened in, in those dynamics. So really interesting just from my nerd out perspective, um, listening to somebody else's sessions or things of that nature. Um, but when she talks about building re- resilient relationships, she talks about the progression of relationships, um, just historically how once we used to partner just for needs, like we had to partner because there was a need you marry my daughter, blah, blah, blah. And this is how our exchange happens. And as we evolved, then we started to partner for emotional needs. However, um, as that started to be to go forward, we still had a community base that was really around relationships. And we looked about, um, we didn't have all of our from fulfillment from you know just that one person. We had it from a community need. Um, and we think about, okay, my, you know, my, sister friend over here did this and my mama did that and my daddy did this and so even when in those relationships when infidelity happened um it wasn't as significant historically because we had community needs that met some of those other social emotional needs that we had as we continue to evolve through our relationship one the generation before us um opened the eyes that we don't have to stay in those relationships. So um, as we became one economically, we did not have to depend on each other to stay in the relationship. Um, One, I used to stay in the relationship because that's how I was going to support my family, all of those things, traditionally, religiously, things of that nature, how that has evolved. Um, So the generation before us has taught that that is not our only option. However, our generation at at baseline has been taught the value of self-esteem much more than any other generation before us. So we have a higher value for ourselves, meaning we have a higher value with who we partner with too. Um, So now that's why you see partnering happening later on in life and not as quickly because we value all these different things. But in the in that um, our value of our soulmate became a lot higher too. So we went from just having a partner to having a soulmate, meaning all of our emotional social needs are met through that person. So, um, and actually the really interesting research tells us that people nowadays are fulfilled from two main places, from their partnering and from their work. Those are the two main places that we come. And it's so funny because I say this at work all the time. Like, we do not come here to get fulfilled. But research actually does tell us that we do come to work to have some fulfillment. Um, 
but so we look at those things so when we have a partner now and we feel an infidelity or we feel a hurt it feels so much more grave to us because we put much more stock into the partner and the soulmate status that when we experience that it's a grave loss for us and also we've now been taught that that's not our only option and we've also been taught that like my self-esteem my self-worth um not that our parents did not have self-esteem or self-worth but we've done a lot more um establishing and like how we our needs need to be met first before any other person. Um, so the, a lot of those different changes have led to um, not always building some of the same characteristics in a re resilient relationship that we have. And that goes back to um, our options that we often limit ourselves to. So a lot of society now tells you infidelity or grave loss. Okay, that's fine. Leave that person. Mm -hmm. Which, yes, toxic relationships leave that person we're not ever promoting you staying in a toxic relationship or something that's unhealthy for you um but also there are a lot of times in grave instances where infidelity has happened and you can build from that um how loss has happened then you can build from that how hurt and shame have happened but you can still build from all of those things but um oftentimes we have not been focusing on the skill set of of building those those things for a resilient relationship that we have um, now to have a long-term relationship. Yeah, I, I, I love Esther Perel's work. And I think that as I'm listening to you, the thing that stands out is one of the biggest components of having a resilient relationship is really having your core agreement Mm -hmm. about like what what you can go for what you don't go for and really being clear about what you're like your your what you call those deal breakers are and mm -hmm. then like that being your code of how you run your relationship and that not really necessarily being something that other people like and I, I I hesitate to say this because there are always those like off the wall crazy cases where people really did need somebody to give input or like you really did need your friends to step in but I balance that with saying that sometimes I feel like one of the biggest enemies to resilient relationships is people telling too much of their business and inviting too many people into a relationship between two people mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so we go back to what private relationships actually mean so that does not mean like nobody knows you guys are in a relationship it means nobody knows the the ins and outs of a relationship and i think it's so funny because i think we were having that conversation before we started recording people can easily look at a relationship and be like oh let's romanticize this you know relationship oh they're so perfect blah 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 not knowing the internal details of what that relationship looks like um so yeah, so from the community aspect, we definitely need the community because you have to have people that are in life experiences because as you're growing and you're, you know, um, each milestone in life, even each milestone in partnering in a relationship, um, you have to have some some balance to know that this is normal. So again, the failure, when we go back to like the failure with Naomi, like if she doesn't have any reference to this is normal, then she doesn't feel like this is a grave failure. So same thing in, in relationship that you have to, you do have to have some balance of saying like, 
oh yeah, you know, we're experiencing this as a friendship, as a relationship, and then having somebody else say like, oh girl, that's normal. Like this happened to us, blah, 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 blah. And then you're able to regulate, okay, that's normal. This is normal. But um, also like, like you're saying, there has to be boundaries in that. And I think that's something that you and I have developed over the years is like, even when we have had construction, constructive conversations about our partners or anything like that it's never been bashing it's just like okay I have to speak about what's happening to me and I think Angie would probably say that I probably take Darren's quote-unquote side <laughs> take yes. her. <laughs> but I think that and to that point though that is having good people in your circle because like I don't really talk. <laughs> we were talking about this before. I don't really talk about my relationship like that. I may talk about it with you. And typically if I'm talking about it with you, it is like, uh, like, like, a, and, and this is like arguments. Like I, I share, it's not like, I'm like, oh, this is like, like, I'm not posting his pic, his picture on Instagram. Like it's a secret. No, it's not like that. But, um, one of the biggest things and in, in going back to kind of what we were talking about earlier, when we were talking about the movie is like respect is a big thing. And so like, a lot of times, one of the things that I found help, the healthiest and helpful is like, if we are in the middle of a, like a disagreement or whatever, we're going to fix it or work to fix it internally. And then like, if we're like struggling or whatever, we're going to seek out wise counsel. And so again, hear what I'm saying, wise counsel to help mm -hmm. us navigate that relationship situation. And so sometimes mm -hmm. there are situations where I reach out, or then there are other times when I reach out after the fact, and I'm like, hey, walk through this with me and tell me where I went wrong. Like, tell me where you see that I like flew off the handle and whatever, like, where, how can I be better? And I think that is a different conversation than girl, let me tell you what did about whatever, like you were saying. And I think one of the, because a big component of a resilient relationship is trust. And so you can be building because of like this vulnerability and whatever that's happening in your friendships, you can be building resiliency in that area and be breaking down the resiliency of your, of your relationship, of your marriage, of your whatever in the same hand, because I don't, I don't know about anybody else, dude, I can really talk about mine, but that trust component is like a huge deal. And if they know that you're talking about them to the same people they got to look at and smile across the table at during crabs, like that can do a thing to a person. <laughs> like, so that's um, very specific to our friend group. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, because I really want some crabs and that's just, just what's on my mind. <laughs> the third time you said it um but yeah no that that trust is the biggest thing I think it, in any relationship that trust has to be the biggest thing and also be trusting of your partner also has to be trusting of that person that you're telling yeah. right so like really like honestly if you guys were going through some real relationship things I'd be like uh, okay I'm not a married person y'all gotta go find a married person to go talk about it like I'm here to bet you <laughs> I'm like I'm here to listen to your vet and be like mm -hmm, yep yep um and that doesn't change one the way I treat my brother or the way like I view y'all right yeah. but um you have to like really go to people that yes wise counsel that actually have some life experience there so that's where the community <laughs> comes from I love how you said real relationship stuff you can tell I be coming to her about foolishness <laughs> like look he put the logic away <laughs> Angie, I don't care. 
Um, <laughs> no. Yes, no, but I'm that because that's not my life experience, right? So like go to somebody who has that life experience. Um and and that person also has to be trusting of who you're going and who you're seeking the counsel from too. So I think that's a big piece in the trust. I'm curious though, like kind of flipping that, like how do you think about like resiliency and like relationships? Like personally, like yes, you. I know you're talking to me. Um, how do I view resilience in relationships? Um, for me, and I'm having to reframe it right lately, right? So I think that's part of my own research too about how I view resiliency in relationships and what boundaries that I need to have. Um, but I think if you're not going to be willing to be resilient in relationship, like any mm -hmm. type of relationship, then you're not going to get any so like there has to be one a willingness and two a, with that communication piece there also has to be an action piece so like my in order to believe that this is a resilient relationship and we talk through things I actually have to see the action through what our conversation is about okay so like any situation can happen um and again we don't want to encourage the toxic things, but a lot of things can happen. You're bringing a whole nother person who was raised a whole different way from you, thinks a whole different way than you. You may love them, but they have different um, boundaries and understandings of things. Um, so anything can happen and you can love anybody, but you have to look at like how that communication is, is put through and how that um, action is taken over. And I think it goes back to, again, I think and this is like a revelation for me again too like we limit ourselves to so many options we, like it's either or um but what if there's a third or the fourth option that we haven't even thought through or talked about um and i think i saw it somebody say it a really good way um that like it, early on in his marriage you know really struggling you know people struggle through their first year of marriage really when you haven't lived with that person and partnered with that person um to that level and he went to a friend and the friend was like well, break up with them then. And he was like, well, that's your advice? And he was like, no, like break up and start a new relationship. Like start a new mode for you guys. Start a new way of looking at things. Start a new way, new way of doing it, things. And I think that's very true. I think we get so stuck in patterns that we're like, no, this is our pattern. This is our mode. Like what if we breaking this mode or breaking this cycle is not going to be good for us when a lot of times there's a different ways to do things that we just have limited ourselves to all we know is what you know our mom's taught us our grandma's taught us what his mama taught him and what his granddad taught him um so and we limit ourselves to those options when there's a lot more that we can do it's just not you know what we were taught and we have to be open to that so i think that's that resiliency there and then i think one of the biggest things for me is allowing those conversations to be very blunt and up forward about what those are feeling and listen to like how that is really affecting the person without taking it so personal in the information. Like if I'm saying to you, Angelique, you're doing something that is really affecting me, even though like what I'm calling you out might feel uncomfortable, but like thinking about, okay, well, why is that affecting that person and how is that coming from me? Um, so I think for me, it's like, 
being very open and honest in that communication and realizing, okay, let me take the personal hat off because it's easy for us all to feel very personal and feel defensive of ourselves. We want to be protective of ourselves. Um, but in the resiliency is like, okay, I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm not here to hurt you. I'm not here to damage you in the vulnerability, but I'm here to tell you that I'm how I'm being affected. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, that's i don't know listening to what you said the thing that really jumped out at me and something that i know that we've worked on even in our own friendship is like allowing people to communicate and be who they are in their relationship is a core part of like a resilient relationship i think a lot of times like and a lot of like people always reference romantic relationships as like, oh, I fall in love with potential, but I feel like as similarly in friendships, you can fall in love with the potential, like you can fall in love with like, oh my gosh, this is like, we're going to go on all the girls trips and we're going to do X, Y, Z and da, 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 da. And like, typically I think at least in my observation and even in my own experience, like the disconnect typically occurs when you perceived how someone you decided that how someone is going to show up in the relationship is not who they are but who you want them to be or who you think they could be and so like when we're talking about communication and like you said you need relation like you need to be very blunt and honest in those like conversations that push that push relationships toward resiliency like I know that like there have been times and I'm not saying that I did that with you I'm saying that like in a larger perspective I feel like that's an issue with friendships but I think one of the strongest moments and most resilient moments I can point to in our friendship was the moment when we realized hey I communicate like this and you communicate like that and it's okay for both of us to communicate the way that we need to but there are adjustments and shifts that we can make to make sure that we are not accounting for like and it's it's weird to explain because it's like I think through our relationship, like I, I'll talk about myself. I've learned to be more direct as I became more comfortable with your directness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like those are allowances that occur in resilient relationships if you allow yourself to go through it. I also had to be le- learn to be softer with you. I mean that that is a reality like I just had to learn to be to be softer with you right in the way I communicate to you um some of myself will just always be myself but I know what I'm bringing to Angie it's like you know okay let me really really I have to take time because the way I might say it to like you know somebody else is a lot different than the way I might say it to Angie and the way I say it to Angie is a, a lot different than I might say it to another person so um really having to to work on that in the way that you communicate and but also having that awareness too like you had to communicate to me okay like when you speak like that this makes me feel like this so like okay that's not my intent so let me like give you okay work through that and how I can better communicate so it's effectively heard so it's not about the tone but it's more about what's actually being communicated mm-hmm. and I think when that is communicated you worked on it but I think another part of a resilient relationship is like owning your part of the things that you bring to the relationship and so even though I said that to you for me and I don't even think you know this for me because that had happened and like 
because um, my husband also tends to be pretty direct. The thing that triggered for me was, hey, let's look at how you receive direct conversation, like what's up underneath of you struggling with more direct conversation. And I think like, and this may rub, but I don't know what I'm trying to say. And it may rub people the wrong way and that's okay. Like, is that you can bring things into the relationship and you can say, hey, I need this, this, and this, and that should be respected, yes. But I think also a way, a healthy part of a resilient relationship is also taking a step back and looking at what what part you own of that and whether that is just something that you need and that is like yes respect or whether that is something that is really rooted in like past experiences or things that you haven't let go or trauma or like your own brattiness or stubbornness or something that you just really need to let go of to also be the best person that you can be in a relationship Mm -hmm. I also think a lot of the things that I've realized lately um, that I've held on to are passed down, which uh, that's uh, all of us are passed down things, but understanding why my parents had those habits, like the reason those habits were formed for my parents and the way they do things are not reasons that I have. So like they had to have certain skills and certain communication and certain things of their because of their life experiences that they had to develop and they had to use um, that were passed down to me, but I don't need them. So like being real that, okay, yes, this is a skill that came from them and understood why it's had and even a generation back like why my grandparents passed it down to them and how that affected but okay those are not my things like I was literally talking to my therapist the other day and she's like those traumas are not yours and I was like yes but I was raised like they were my traumas because that's what you have to be on guard for um so like realizing like okay I've limited myself to those experiences that I haven't even had and those are reactions and things like that that I'm having that I don't need to have like that doesn't need to be my thing so um working through that too and yeah it takes a a level of self-awareness I think too in a resilient relationship like you have to be self-aware of what why you're having those reactions that you're having too yeah 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 willingness to grow and grow alongside someone mm-hmm. well if you think about it if you think about somebody from you know even if you meet young in life okay so you meet at 20 um if you're talking about going the rest of your life with your, that person um that's another you know 60 70 years how much do you think you're actually going to change and grow I mean even think about yourself from the beginning of your 20s to the end of your 20s there's a lot of things that happened right so you have to have this willingness that this other person is going to grow and they're going to change and that doesn't mean that they um doesn't want to involve in this relationship anymore but that also means that I have to be able to adjust and change that to them just like they're going to adjust and change to when I change so allowing that room to actually grow and reintroduce yourself in a in a relationship I think that has to be um, a foundation too and awareness that that person that you meet at 20 is not going to be the same person at 25 at 35 at 45 at 65 and I hope they wouldn't be I hope that that person changes um, just like you would hope that another person changes and being open to that yeah yeah and and being honest about when your needs change and not trying to please because like i think like our uh, use our friendship like 
who we were to each other in college is completely different than who we are to each other now. Like, are there things that are consistent throughout time? Yes. Like, are there things that are the same? Yes, we still love crafts, but like. <laughs> but Angie, I will come over and we can have crafts today, okay? <laughs> but there are some things that have changed and will continue to change. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Interesting. What you said about like the passing down of like trauma and responses, that makes me think about like epigenetics, which I was teaching my students about this week. I won't go into it, but I think it's really interesting because even on like a lower level, gene expression is impacted by our environment and past generations and what we do and don't do or what we need and don't need, like down to weight and things like like people's ease or lack of ease in losing weight can be dictated by like famine and trauma from past generations. It's really interesting, but it's interesting that that also occurs on an emotional level. Mm-hmm. It definitely does. Definitely does. So just don't limit yourself. You can love who you want to love, care for who you want to care for. If you just allow yourself to adjust and change, be resilient. As long as it's not toxic or abusive. Yep. You got boss bits. If not, I can do it. Um, I will read this quote because I am apparently reading quotes on my wall. But it's a reminder that, like, if life looks a little crazy right now, that it's really okay. Most art looks crazy while it's being painted until the end. So it says, when you look back at your life and you can look back at your life even now, the path and decisions you've made seem clear. Like it seems like, oh, okay. Like these things kind of went together. I could see how I ended up here. Um, However, on a day-to-day basis, it often looks like just putting one foot in front of the other. And that's not to be depressing or anything like that. But I think like anybody who is like saying, oh, I got it all together and da 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 da, and I know exactly how all these things are going to work, is probably saying it because they're trying to convince themselves of the same thing. Um, and maybe they do have it together. God bless them if they do. But for a lot of us, and I'll say for me, um, I can look back at my life and I can see God's hand all over it and I can see exactly how all those things made sense. But a lot of times when I was in the moment, it was like, Okay, I'm just gonna hold my breath and jump. It's fine. <laughs> and so, you said what? So that's most of my life. Yeah, and so it's one of those things where I'm encouraging you to live a life that requires faith, because wouldn't it be boring to live a life that didn't? And I think that that's what this quote is talking about: is like living a life that requires faith, that requires you to put one foot in front of the other, and to like have faith that it's all going to work out. And I think that goes back to the scripture where it talks about that um, God's word is a light lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. And I think the lamp unto my feet is always an interesting part because why would your lamp need a feet? It's because at least in my mind and in analogies that I've like thought about and like heard your about. Lamp need feet. Why would your feet need a lamp? But like, but think about but that. Just, you said it backwards. You said, oh, why, would you... <laughs> why would my feet need a lamp? Well, yeah, but... I have my lamp yeah but <laughs> basically like the lamp into my feet is because like in my mind it's like this really dark like labyrinth type place 
And like, you literally just got the light to take the next step. And then God will reveal to you and like, you'll, you'll be good. And then he'll take, give you the light to take that next step. And so whether at this point in your life, you've got enough light to see to the end of the tunnel, if so great, or if you've just got just enough light to take that next step, understand that like, there is a plan and a purpose for your life. And that even if it doesn't look all together, it is, it will all fall together according to God's will and purpose. Amen. Amen. Good. Good. But anyways, it's been great chatting with y'all. If it took you one day, two days, or a week to listen to this podcast, we're glad you've reached the end with us. And we'll see you next week. Love y'all. Bye. Bye.